En JCPenney sabemos que nos extrañas y nosotros te extrañamos aún más. ¿Pero qué pasa si te decimos que tenemos una tienda abierta todo el día, todos los días? ¡La tenemos! En JCP.com o en el app de JCPenney. ¿Quieres un traje de baño? ¡Lo tenemos! ¿Algo para estrenar este verano? ¡También! ¿Marcas exclusivas y tus marcas nacionales favoritas? ¡También! Visita nuestra página para los más recientes cupones y aprovecha envío estándar gratis en compras de $49 dólares o más. JCPenney. Aplican exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda o JCP.com. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Society Bites Radio and I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer. And I'm Sherry Himmer and this is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. So, oh. sorry, I was, I was trying to get you to continue there. I was, I was having a, a, a problem there. So for the next 25 minutes, we talk about healing and growth from the inside out. Remember, you are 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. So in the future, if I do this, pick it up. Okay, I thought that meant heart attack. No, I wasn't having a heart attack. I'm glad you're not having a heart attack. Yeah. So which brings us to times of uncertainty that we're all living in in quarantine as we go through this coronavirus. And... And what that means for us. And sometimes when we don't know what's coming, people can make what's called a prediction error. We don't know what the future means. We don't know when quarantine's going to really end. We don't know if seniors are going to get to walk across the stage and get a diploma this spring. There's a lot of, you know, things that could be re removed from our lives. They may return. We just don't know. And and in that anticipation of not knowing Our brains do some wacky things. So a prediction error, by definition, is an inaccurate mental model of your world based on unprocessed experiences. So put that into perspective. We are feeling anxiety because we're trying to predict the future based upon the past. Mm -hmm. Now, there are sometimes that's works, but as a general rule, when we're biasing emotions, every single experience, if you and I were to have an experience together, Your bias of that experience is different than my bias. It doesn't mean I'm right or you're right. It means it's different. But when we use a bias to try to predict the future, we oftentimes bring in selective memory. And that selective memory will skew it. So a prediction error is not a problem when you're open to further input and then make adjustments off of that. Sure. It's how we learn. Our brain uses predictions to initiate body movement. In other words, it's not reactive. We are not reactive people. We're predictive people. So we predict what we should do based upon the data coming at us and then based upon skewed data that we store inside that creates our anxiety and our stress. So we want to be able to learn how to do that. And this is all deriving, derived from what we call an immaculate perception of life. Okay. And can I just use the coronavirus as an example of this? We all know we get these numbers on the news reports of confirmed cases and deaths in various countries and um, what that means. But we all know that not every human being is being tested for the virus. So it cannot be pure data. data. Um, for example, at this point, China has stopped testing And so their numbers have stopped. 
and the United States has surpassed China's number because we are testing more. So it's right. not an apples to apples comparison. And and if you have any sense of, you know, bring a little bit of your math skills in and understanding what's happening with numbers, you know that that is not a true picture. It can be inflamed to look like, whoa, look what's happening to the United States. But if you understand what's really happening with those numbers, you go, wait, this data is not pure. And, look at the and our brains do the same thing with the little bits of information we have in even a relationship. Right. Now, let me bring this back because we, we have in some of our, our, our planning here, we talked a little bit about how to watch the news and not get triggered or flooded. Which would be helpful right now. Um, what's happening right now is giving what Sherry just said. <clears throat> if you consider the messenger of the numbers, they're totally unqualified to delivering numbers, and that's the media. And the media has a bias. So if you look at that, anytime someone gives you a message and they're inserting their bias into the message, you know that you cannot take that message at face value. You've got to do some digging and some researching. You've got to do some critical thinking about every piece of information. And that's where we are right now. When, when we're receiving messages, and it's a, uh, a very biased message, I mean, it's like talking to a girl who just broke up with her boyfriend, and then she tells you all the things he did wrong. Well, she still wants to be with him, but she's angry at him. How accurate, how neutral is her message? Have you ever spoken to, let's just say, a woman who was dissed by her husband 10 years ago? He cheated on her. She's not remarried, and she's still angry at him. Oh, and still hurt and in pain and right. body pain. Yes, it goes on and on. That's what we're experiencing yes. right now. The messages that we're getting out of uh, Washington, D.C. and through the media is going to be biased. There's a book out right now. Let me see if I can grab it real quick. I just um, The Contempt Book. The Contempt Book. What do I do with it? So there's – oh, there it is. So there's a oh, – I just picked it up about two, three weeks ago, and I've started reading it already. And I highly recommend this to anyone – who wants to understand what we're talking about here. The book is by Arthur C. Brooks. He's the head of a think tank. Uh, it's called Love Your Enemies, How Decent People Can Save America from the Culture of Contempt. We're going to talk a little bit about cognitive distortions in today's in the next segment. When you realize how to recognize contempt, and he cites Dr. Gottman a lot, who's the foremost world's expert on marital relationships, Dr. Gottman can listen to a couple for one hour. He asks them questions, and he'll listen to them talk for one hour. And he videotapes them. He video. Well, he he hooks them all up to a computer. He got so good at this that he can hook them, or he can just listen to them talk for one hour, and have I believe it's ninety three percent or ninety four percent accuracy in predicting if they'll be married in three years, because he's looking for the four horsemen of which one is contempt. When you understand what contempt is and what it does, contempt is a bias. It's a prediction error. It's a confirmation bias. It's full of immaculate perception. How can you possibly think you can build trust and respect in any kind of relationship if everything you do is biased? If it's always your way, if you have to be right, yeah. that's contention. If, if I were to unwrap, if contempt was a candy bar and I was to unwrap it, inside it would be, I'm always right. They're usually wrong. And I'm a victim. I've been treated wrongly. And I, have to, and I have to go punish. And that leads us right back into the victim trap. But right. it's contempt in this package that doesn't go away because it's based on absolutes. 
okay, this is not where we wanted to no. go, but now I've got... You, you, but you, but it is connected to cognitive distortions. It is. It's the worst cognitive distortion. Let me give you another example. The entire impeachment process was one of contempt. I don't have a problem with the rule of law. I have a problem with contempt. The, uh, the, the bailout package, the new bailout, $2.2 trillion. But when it was for redone the for the quarantine, or the corona that's contempt. The way it was done was contemptuous. It wasn't done with what is right. It was done with who is right. When you start doing things with ulterior motives, you remove the ability to have trust. I don't really give a damn which side of the, the aisle you're on. What I care about is are you doing what is right, principle-based, instead of who is right, personal-based. That is very contemptuous, and it's very misguided. That's where the, the lack of trust and respect come in. See, yeah, I got that off my chest. Oh, you just turned a really rosy color. Yeah, I was pretty pissed off. <laughs> I just get tired. Of, just Maybe y'all don't know this, but um, when Sherry and I, just we were engaged, and um, eight weeks before we were got we got married, I was shipped off to Washington, D.C., and I worked on Capitol Hill. Um, and so I served there as an intern. My boss was in the Nixon cabinet, but wouldn't talk. I, I tried for eight weeks to get her to talk, right? But while I was on Capitol Hill, I realized that I don't want to be a politician because I, I struggled with contempt. I didn't have a word for it back then. And I also struggled with dishonesty. And I guess the reason why people use it and why it, it is profound through politics and it's used as a vehicle for leverage. And um, it, I don't think it's effective, but it's right. it's the, the mainstay of fueling power but we'll get off that and and dr brooks and this is and i'm going to echo this and or i'm going to support this um if you want to find if you want to find happiness true happiness in your life if you want to realize what joy is in your life if you want to live a life full of pleasures that you cannot verbally describe get rid of contempt start going to neutral start practicing these communication techniques that we're talking about and you will find people will flock to you um, so which brings up, I guess we can now go to the planning. I've got a client right now who's struggling with a couple of areas, and we'll call her Gertie. Um, and this entire process where we're going is stemmed from a question that was asked by uh, another client of mine. We'll call him Ralph. Mm-hmm. Ralph's question was straightforward. He said, how, t- how do I or why do I retain negative memories and emotions about my first marriage in my second marriage? And she has nothing to do with my first marriage. They keep coming back to me. Mm. So now let me warp over or jump over to Gertie real quick. Here's her comment to me. Um, as we hung up on the phone the other day, she said, and I told her, I said, I really enjoy talking to you, Gertie. Um, I, I enjoy the conflict. I enjoy you know, working through these processes. And I could see her smiling and whatnot. And then she says, yeah, but you'll, you won't want to be my friend after so many, three years. I stopped immediately. I went, stop. That was a cognitive distortion. What are you telling yourself that's not true? And she says, well, it is true. And I said, well, I didn't ask you what you told. You're telling me about me. You're using yesterday's experiences where people haven't remained your friends. And she had a period certain that she gave me. She said, nobody stays my friend after this long. Interesting. So that's her, 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 that's her persona, right? Mm-hmm. And remember, persona simply means a stage mask. But she's got a cognitive distortion that helps us understand what her false narrative is. And so as we unzip that, I had her tell me what her false narrative was and then what if it. Now we're going to get to how we're going to address these. 
everybody that I know will have memories that will come up that they don't really want to have anymore, that they struggle with. So let's talk about how we're going to work through the cognitive distortions. What do cognitive distortions mean? What do they lead to? So in the time we have left, I'd like to unzip that just a little bit. Sherry, if you'd be good enough to read the quote by Epictetus from the first and second century. <clears throat> what really frightens and dismays us is not external events themselves, but the way in which we think about them. It's not things that disturb us, but our interpretation of their significance. And we could even apply that to coronavirus too, right? Oh, that would not be difficult. But going back to the fact that I'm getting uh, calls every day about people who are now under a lot of stress. Their um, stress levels have gone up. Their stress levels have gone up. They've so changed. I, I had a girl call me the other day, um, young girl, uh, high school age, uh, just having a dickens of a time. Um, and so when I asked her just a couple of questions, I found out that the primary source of her challenge were her parents. Um, and her parents were in denial, <clears throat> meaning they're not willing to be found. They don't think they did do anything wrong. They think that the, the problem is with their daughter and the daughter's everything is wrong. Well, the daughter is a teenager. She's a senior in high school. And when parents think that they're right, notice the, the common theme here, and they don't know how to connect and redirect, which they don't. She doesn't have any kind of connection with mom and dad. Um, then there's a lot of challenges that she's going to face the rest of her life. So we just did a 20-minute a guided mindfulness. It was a wonderful experience. It was just beautiful, really. And um, she was able to find a nice balance in her space. Um, the point being is that she's already telling herself a story about life because mom and dad didn't connect with her. So she's already got a false narrative based upon past experiences. So she'll then engage in what are called cognitive distortions. And so by definition, a cognitive, or let's, let's go back to this a second. Cognitive dissonance is when one uses selective memory, which creates a bias in the situation, or what I call immaculate perception, to make decisions, negotiate, or engage in conflict. And then that'll turn into contention. So now we're back to this whole thing again. Our inability today to be neutral, to first understand what's going on before we make a decision and have everyone try to agree with us is one of the reasons we have these things keep coming back to us because we never process them in the first place. They're laying dormant in our subconscious. And when something happens that reminds our subconscious, oh, here's a connection to an experience you had before, and it could be a sound, it could be a smell, it could be a word, it could be someone's behavior that reminds your subconscious of this over here. All of this is done below the cognitive level. So I'll share something with you real quick. One of my clients recently said, when I when we were going over false narratives, like I have no worth, um, and we, the list is right here, I don't deserve, I can never be safe, I'm not lovable. She says, but I don't believe that. This is what I believe about me. I think I am lovable, I think I do have worth. And I said, okay, there's a, a disconnect here. You might have some experiences at the cognitive level where you've got empirical evidence to support all of those to be true, but your behavior doesn't support any of it. That her behavior doesn't show that she truly believes what she says about her worth. That is correct. When you understand a cognitive distortion or a manifesting behavior is indicative, it's um, a window into the soul, hmm. then you start looking at things differently. So one of the homework assignments I'm giving my clients right now, and it's going to be on the website when I can get it back and running, is to start watching movies and TV shows 
with your list of cognitive distortions and start picking out cognitive distortions so you can see them readily. Okay, so we're all binge watching right now because we have nothing else to do while we're in quarantine, right? We're all staying home. And what is that list of cognitive distortions that we could look for in something as benign as TV and movies where we see different relationships and situations played out? Because stories are always based off of a problem, right? A contention of some sort or conflict. So um, the cognitive distortions that I'm just going to do a couple. So I'm not going to do a lot of them because mm -hmm. it'd be overwhelming. So one of the things that I would start with is emotional reasoning. Look for emotional reasoning. Now, you can just watch the news. So look for when people are emotional, irrational. Well, it might not seem irrational, but they don't have facts to back it up. So there's and it's just, just my opinion. Oh, so they're making decisions based off emotion and not truth. That is correct. Now, they might be emotional when they do it. But there are people who've got all facts behind them who still become emotional. Sure. I'm saying emotional reasoning. Let me just define that for you just a little it bit further. It sounds kind of like justification. and. <clears throat> it's letting your feelings guide your interpretation of reality. Mm. It, to you, emotion is truth. The evidence clearly states that my position is wrong, but I still feel it is right, so I'm going with it. Here's another one. I know that yelling at my kids sends the wrong message, but sometimes it's the only way they will listen. Listen. That's a cognitive distortion. That's the only way my kids will listen. I've tried everything. My kids only listen when I yell at them and when I swear. Sorry, that's not accurate. That's emotional reasoning. If you want to have fun, listen to the news, especially some of these um, stations where they don't have a second opinion. I had one client say, you know, I've been practicing this because they're doing the homework. And they said, I have one one news outlet that always has both sides of the story. Then on most of the other news outlets, they don't ever give you the second side. They give the, your, their side, but they don't have a countermeasure. So I don't listen to them anymore because I only hear one side. I want to hear the two sides so I'm better informed. That's conflict. We both have the same goal. We see a different way to get there. <clears throat> you want to look at your news and find out if they're giving you both sides of the story. If they're not, that's probably not going to be a very accurate set of news. That's emotional reasoning. The second one I want you to look for is mind reading. So mind reading is you assume you know what people are thinking without sufficient evidence. It is based on your immaculate perception, and it's taking comments by others out of context to, to fit your sense of being offended. Okay, and if you're looking for that, you're going to find that <clears throat> a lot in TV show scripts and in movie scripts because – there's always this missing piece of understanding that creates the conflict and therefore <laughs> someone's misunderstood, labeled, oh, yeah. blamed. Um, the star-crossed lovers can't find each other because they don't understand each other and so you're left pining for them as you sit in your armchair watching the movie. So instead of getting sucked into it and, and flowing along with all the emotional Let's reasoning, analyze. Oh, have fun with this. Have a pad of paper next to you and write down the word emotional reasoning and then next to it write down mind reading. There's there's four of them that I want you to focus on. Okay, mind which other reading, ones would you get? Fortune telling, where you're going to predict the future, but it's always negative. Fortune telling is a negative approach. Things will only get worse. There's an impending doom. I'm going to fail the exam. She'll never talk to me again. Oh, she hates me. She'll never talk to me. Mm -hmm. And the last one is catastrophizing, similar to fortune telling. But whatever will happen will be so awful and so unbearable that you won't be able to handle it. So it's the Titanic. Yeah. Okay. So having <laughs> said that, hmm. put those and, and 
the ones who the clients that I've got right now who are really making progress are taking two a day and they're simply going through their day with those two sitting next to them and saying, okay, is what is that? Is that emotional reasoning? Is that mind reading? You just give it a name. Why is that so powerful? Dr. Siegel says, if you can t name it, you can tame it. This is huge. Yeah. So taking in Bloom's taxonomy, um, the, the mind loves to identify and sort things. We love to sort. Since we were babies, we like to sort blocks by colors and shapes. But we can do this in powerful ways to help us get out of our habits and our um, um, this negative cycle that we have with some of our memories. As we can look at it benignly through TV or other relationships, we can start to unravel those things, going back to those negative memories, and we can start seeing what we've been doing nice with Nice connection, because that's what I just wrote down. The reason that you keep bringing this up over and over again is you've never processed it in the first place. A cognitive distortion is your way of handling it because you're uncomfortable, right? And it's unprocessed. It is unprocessed. So you use the term, what if? I'm teaching, I teach this constantly. Practice what ifing during the process. You have an upstairs and a downstairs brain. At a cognitive distortion, you've got your downstairs brain hijacking the upstairs brain and the upstairs brain will become an apologist for maladaptive behavior. You want to meld them in a healthy way. So you what if it? You simply what if when you realize that you've just engaged in a cognitive distortion and you're able to connect your false narrative or your shadow? It's just what if? What if I am my best self right now? What if I can do, do better? What if I can be this? You simply what if it, which is an imagination type process, and then you say, what would that look like? So for example, I was talking to Gertie. She says, well, you won't be my friend after three years. I said, okay, what's the, what's the um, false narrative? She says, um, that I can't have friends, All right? That I'm not lovable, good. What if it? We did it on the spot. Okay, so what if I can have friends? What if I trust and respect myself? What if I'm lovable? Whatever what if you wanna use there. What would that look like? And now imagine having a friendship that's whole based on trust and respect where you're able to give and take, where reciprocity reigns supreme inside that relationship. And then what would that feel like? That process creates a us, millions of neurons. And if you what ifed it three, four, five, six times a day, that's why trigger busters, you do them 10 times in the morning, you do them 10 times in the evening. You what if it five or six times a day when you catch it. And by the way, any normal human being who's really struggling is going to throw negativity at themselves at two, 300 times a day. Wow. You just don't see it. Yeah. So in, in the course of an hour, if you just grabbed one negative comment per day, one cognitive distortion, connected it with your false narrative and simply said, what if I can be this way? You start creating a pathway and you more and more you do it, the more you do it subconsciously, you start realizing that you're what ifing without even thinking about it. That's when you start healing. That's when you start processing. What if I can be over my ex-wife? What if I can be happy with this one? What if I can be neutral? What if I can be my best self? Take one of those and what if yourself all day long, every hour with a one breath in, hold it and then release it. You will notice the difference before the day is over. This is documented. Harvard Medical Center did this. They documented the impact of the gray matter on the amygdala. Remember the amygdala is your fight, flight, freeze or faint. 
mechanism. When it shrank, statistically significant shrink, that shrink. means the people who were engaging in mindfulness no longer had to go to fight, flight, freeze, or faint. It's documented. So what we're suggesting at this time, start recognizing your cognitive distortions. Understand the false narrative that goes along with it. And by the way, I'm putting this up on my website. So himmercenter.com forward slash resources. I'm going to have a lot of this material there for you to go to. Now, it was there. It got erased, and so just, I'm, build, I'm building it right now. Yeah. So it'll by the time you hear this, it's going to be there. Yeah, just got a little so, bit of maintenance on the website. Himmercenter.com forward slash resources and forward slash podcast if you want to get access to all of these or to Society Bites Radio. So, Sherry, let's just summarize. We only have a minute or so left. Well, so we've got some processes we can work on to retrain our brains, neural, new neural pathways to stop the cycle of negative memories, which are kind of like really old ingrained triggers in our lives. So last time we talked about trigger busters. Now we're really working and processing what are old triggers in a sense. And, um, and, it starts, na and naming the negative distortions. It starts with naming it. If you can name it, you can tame it. Just look for those cognitive distortions as a reminder. Emotional reasoning, mind reading, fortune telling, and catastrophizing. You understand those. You can start giving that a name. You feel it. You viscerally know, oh, that's mine. Oh, I get that. That's emotion. Oh, I know what they're doing right now. You're now in a neutral position. You're no longer getting triggered, which means you don't lead to a flood at all. When you can remain neutral and you seek understanding, you're in a much better position, not only to build friendships, but to be happier with yourself. So again, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to the next segment and talking to you again. Introducing the Her Journey Around the World started in our overflowing bathroom sink policy from American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote. Find an agent. Visit AmFam.com for homeowners policy information. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. <gasps> Mommy, look at my boat. It's sailing. Introducing the Her Journey Around the World started in our overflowing bathroom sink policy from American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote. Find an agent. Visit AmFam.com for homeowners policy information. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.